Mad World Order. This is madness. This time you have gone too far. Stay in Wonderland. Good evening, fellow replicants, and welcome to another fabulous episode of the Robot Dinner Party. It's been way, way, way too long, but I finally got some free time on my hands, so let's sit down by the fireplace and have a chat. Now, last episode, I had just come back from Michigan's beautiful Upper Peninsula, where the women are fresh and the pasties are easy. Strike that, reverse it, and I managed to get a picture of Bigfoot along the way. I also managed to steal some of his pasties, which really pissed him off because he was pretty hungry. So I gave him a case of beer and sent him on his way. So that was a little mean of me on my part, but me being a woke person and in this PC culture, I did want to mention, you know, he's really, really tired of the term Bigfoot. He prefers to go by the term Sasquatch, or Gerald as he's known by the guys down at the lodge. But the Sasquatch also wants us to know that not all Sasquatches are the same. Not all of them like the same beer. Some of them like Coors Light. Some of them like a much hoppier microbrew flavor. Hashtag not all Sasquatches. At any rate, it's a new year. A new podcast episode. It's time to start things off on the right foot and get at least one episode a month going. If we could do more, that would be great. But one of my first goals of this new year is that I can get out one episode a month at a minimum and we'll see where we can go from there i'm just glad to be in the podcasting spirit again glad for a new year 2017 had some ups and downs but i've liked what i've seen out of 2018 so far and right now sitting in the comfort and warmth of my home got the christmas tree lights are still on that's Christmas tree's coming down this weekend. Uh, this weekend is actually the last weekend of Advent, according to the Western Catholic calendar. So it's legit that it's still up. Usually it's down by now. I kind of like that it's still up, but it's, it's definitely coming down this weekend right after my daughter's baptism. Now, I'd like to say that I've got the fire on right now. It's unfortunate that I don't, but I mentioned that I'm glad to be warm and inside. I mean, right now here in Michigan, it's... 5 degrees feels like negative 4 with the wind chill. A couple weeks ago, I woke up in the morning. It was negative 9, felt like negative 21. <laughs> and of course, the upper Midwest has just been getting pounded ever since the beginning of December with snow after snow after snow. So it's a little funny that, of course, whenever there's a big blizzard that hits the northeast, that's what the national news pays attention to. Meanwhile, everybody in the Midwest like... Yeah, that's daily life, man. We've been on that riding a tauntaun to the grocery store meme for six weeks now. Of course, everybody can only react according to what their perspective and experience is, and I'm sure up in Canada they're like, Michigan, check out the snow up here, eh? But I guarantee you with snow this deep and air this frigid, there's no way I'm going to be seeing a Sasquatch anywhere around here anytime soon. If anything, it's going to be Yeti, which 
I might keep my eye out for. Actually, there's two things that I'm on the lookout for in winter in Michigan. Hoping to catch at least one of them this weekend somehow. The first is in the Great Lakes when it gets cold enough and the water moves a certain way. It creates these ice balls along the shore. They look pretty cool. I'd like to get a photo of those. And the other thing that's a little bit unusual for around here is there's a large snowy owl population that's come down from Canada because the the owls have had such a great year with the food supply up in Canada that they've been able to reproduce a ton and they've got that polar vortex coming down into the United States and so they're going where the food is you know there's snowy owls all over Canada but also Michigan right now and I've really got my heart set on finding at least one snowy owl and getting some photographs of it hopefully I'll be able to do that soon here but to go back to the new year a little bit I know I mentioned that I liked what I've seen so far of what 2018 has to offer I hope that both the holiday season in December as well as the beginning of the new year for everybody has been fantastic. I'm sure everybody caught the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl on New Year's Day, that beginning to the college football playoff where Georgia beat uh, Oklahoma in double overtime. That was a fantastic game. I've never really liked either team, but kind of preferred Georgia a little bit more, even if they are on the SEC. I was glad to see them beat Baker Mayfield. That guy's never really rubbed me the right way. hey Of course, now they've got to go up against Alabama. If you give Nick Saban even 24 hours to prepare, he's going to beat just about anybody for the national championship game. And I, I know he lost it last year to Clemson, but that's going to give him all the more motivation to really finish the job this year. Now, don't get me wrong. I want to see Alabama go down. I want to see those dogs beat the Tide. I just don't think it's going to happen. Nick Saban's track record is just too good. He's going to have those guys ready to go. And, you know, I still don't like having two SEC teams in the college football playoff. It's not that Alabama isn't deserving, of course, because, I mean, clearly they're probably going to end up the national champs. It's just we really need to go to a 6 or 8 or 12-team playoff. Again, I'm not saying that Ohio State deserved to be in over Alabama. They're both incredibly deserving, and Alabama probably is the better team. But at the same time, I mean, Big Ten champion. I think of the bowl games, the Big Ten proved that they were much better than people thought this year. Michigan was the only team to blow a perfect bowl record for the Big Ten, and they had a big lead in the third quarter that they blew. Of course, Michigan State in the Holiday Bowl spanked Washington State. Both of those were 9-3 and three teams going into the bowl game. Michigan State came out with a 10th win for the year. That was the 100th win for Mark D'Antonio. At Michigan State, anyway. I know he's got more wins other places, but at Michigan State, he's got 100 wins now. Six 10-win seasons. And that's six of Michigan State's eight 10-win seasons in their entire history. And we saw what Ohio State did to Pac-12 champion USC in their bowl game. This isn't just about Ohio State. It's not just about the Big Ten. Ever since the inception of the playoff, and even before, I've thought four teams is too little for a playoff. And I think this year, more than any other, is the year that the national media, uh, the general conversation around the country is really starting to realize 
that we need more than four teams in a playoff, and this is mostly due to what UCF did this year. It's so incredible what they did going from being winless last year to under the direction of Scott Frost, who just went to Nebraska, by the way, went undefeated. Not just went undefeated, but beat Auburn in their bowl game. Auburn had beat Alabama towards the end of the season. And this is while Scott Frost has half of his attention or more going toward his new job at Nebraska. But as we all know, the college football playoff committee never gave UCF a shot. They never would have. Being a non-Power 5 school, there was just no shot in hell that they were getting into a 14 playoff. If we expand that to at least six, and hopefully even more teams for a playoff, then you're going to be able to get teams like UCF in there, get every single major conference champion in there, and then let's really get down and dirty and see who comes out the champion in the end. I'm sick of seeing the preferential treatment given to the SEC. You know, if any other conference, like if Big Ten were to get on a roll of getting uh, undeserved preferential treatment, I wouldn't like that either. I just want to see... A real fucking playoff, damn it. Let's get it done, NCAA. Speaking of real playoffs, NFL playoffs start this weekend. This podcast will probably drop right before or in the middle of when the playoff games are ongoing. The first one up is at 4.20 Eastern Time on Saturday. The Titans at the Chiefs. Chiefs are favored by 8.5 at home. I've got a little bit of a soft spot for the Chiefs going back to my days in Nebraska, which is only a couple hours away from Kansas City. Also going way back to when Joe Montana spent his twilight years in Kansas City. I like the Chiefs to win this game, but with an 8.5 point spread, uh, Patrick Mahomes, a quarterback, I think it's going to be closer than uh, 9 points. I, th- I think they're going to be uh, less than a touchdown ahead of uh, Tennessee at the end there. So I like the Chiefs to win. I don't like the Chiefs to cover Second game on Saturday, 8.15 p.m., Falcons at Rams. Rams are favored by six at home. They are just so good this year. The Falcons just haven't been the same ever since they blew that Super Bowl against the Patriots. I'm picking the Rams to win and to cover. The second slate of NFL wildcard games starts Sunday at 105 Eastern. Starts off with the Bills at Jaguars. The Jags are favored by eight and a half at home. Sense a little bit of a trend here with the home teams being favored. Obviously, they were uh, seeded the way they were for a reason. I know virtually nothing about these two teams because in my area, we never get to see either of them. But I'm going to go ahead and pick the Hot Jags uh, to win, not to cover that 8.5. So, uh, sort of hoping on the Jaguars to make a little bit of a run in the AFC. We'll see how far they go. Last but not least, the... Panthers at the Saints round out the wildcard weekend on Sunday at 4.40 Eastern. New Orleans is favored by 7 in that one. They've won both of the previous meetings with the Panthers earlier this year. I'm going to pick the Saints to win and to cover that 7 points. Anyway, folks, like I said, this is being recorded right before these games start happening. So we'll see how wrong I was as you're listening. I don't know that I have a favorite from either the AFC or the NFC to reach the Super Bowl. As always, the Patriots seem the most likely, but really, I have no idea right now. As long as I'm on the topic of the Patriots, do I believe the stories that are out there about 
Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft feuding? Yes and no. I mean, I do believe there's got to be some tension there. But to what extent? I don't know. Even if it is as bad as they're saying, I don't think it's going to affect their product on the field. A lot of NFL teams are looking for head coaches right now. A lot of them seem to want uh, New England's offensive and defensive coordinators. Detroit Lions are one of those teams. They just let go of Jim Caldwell. Of course, Caldwell was never the right man for the job in Detroit. On the other hand, who is right for the job in Detroit with uh, their management, their ownership, the players that they have? Nobody's going to be able to get the Lions to really achieve more than they ever have. One playoff win uh, since the AFL-NFL merger. A lot of money now tied up in Matthew Stafford's contract. And for the foreseeable future, there's just always going to be a borderline playoff team unless they get a running game, shore up that defensive and offensive line because Stafford takes way too many hits. Um, they're the Lions, what can I say? I like them, I follow them, but I can't say I'm a, a true fan. I mean, I know what they are. I have zero expectations for them. Of course, I always wish them well. Turning to TV and movies a little bit here, I just got done watching Season 2 of The Crown. It's a really, really good show. Season 2 isn't quite as good as Season 1 in my mind. It is much tighter in terms of the narrative and really uh, sticking to one overarching narrative arc. On the other hand, some of the extraneous stuff that was in Season 1 was a little bit more interesting to me. And I apologize, if you don't know what The Crown is, it's a, a biographical show about Queen Elizabeth II and her husband, Prince Philip. In my mind, it's better than Downton Abbey. And in Season 1, John Lithgow as Winston Churchill was absolutely incredible. And this season, aside from the Queen and her husband, uh, her sister, Margaret, continues to be one of the most interesting characters to me. She had a very, very sad life in terms of her love life and uh, being denied uh, the people that she wanted to be involved with. But for anybody who likes British things or historical dramas, The Crown is absolutely one that you've got to get on it and watch it. Netflix. Dig it. I've yet to watch season two of Stranger Things, so I guess by the time I get around to watching it, it's going to be completely irrelevant culturally. But that's about it as far as TV shows go, because as always, I hardly ever watch any TV, and that's not like a I'm trying to be better than everybody else thing. That's just a I don't have time. I've got a kid who uh, has cartoons on all the time if the TV's on. Speaking of kids and entertainment, on New Year's Day we went and saw the Disney Pixar movie Coco. It's absolutely fantastic. I think it's going to be remembered as one of the all-time great uh, animated movies. It's a very heartwarming story. A lot of great music. It's uh, got a all-Latin cast, uh, which lends it some uh, authenticity versus appropriation. And in fact, it's been a hugely popular movie in Mexico. But, I mean, this is obviously a movie for anybody to enjoy. I think between the fans and the critics, both sides have less than 5% of people disliking the movie. My only issue with it is that there's a spot in the movie where it's a little bit darker than most animated movies are. So if you've got a really young one, like a 4 or 5 year old, or younger, you know, they're... 
they're going to have some moments of being scared a little, but it's still an incredible movie. Obviously, I also saw Star Wars its opening weekend, and if you haven't seen uh, The Last Jedi by now, you don't have any room to cry about spoilers. Here's a warning, there are going to be spoilers, probably, maybe. I absolutely love The Last Jedi. Right after I saw I ranked it uh, fourth behind the original trilogy. I think having a little bit of time to think about it, I might rank it more along the lines of fifth after Rogue One, because I know a lot of people don't like Rogue One. I really did. And I don't really understand the criticism that some fans have for The Last Jedi, as far as I can tell. Most people who don't like it are butthurt about the way that um, Luke Skywalker is portrayed. Of course, he's an older guy. He takes a, a little bit of a darker t turn internally in terms of he's isolated himself on this planet. He's pissed at the other Jedi. He's pissed at himself for allowing Darth Vader to rise and his role in allowing Kylo Ren to rise. And so he thinks it's time for the Jedi to end, and it uh, takes a lot of the movie before he uh, he really comes around again in the end. And a lot of people think, oh, this isn't Luke Skywalker's character. They want to see him, um, you know, dashing throughout the galaxy, being the hero. Um, and it's kind of funny because some of the same people who uh, complained about Ray being a supposed Mary Sue character who had no flaws in The Force Awakens now want to see Luke Skywalker doing no wrong. But, you know, yeah, absolutely, I would love to see Luke Skywalker going around the galaxy being his badass self. But it's a reflection of real life. As people get older, there are life events that can very quickly turn you a little bit towards the dark side. And I don't mean in terms of Jedi versus Sith. I mean in terms of your mental state. You become jaded. You become a little bit hopeless sometimes. And that can really affect your actions, your outlook on life. Um, you know, it's not something that always happens to people. But it's very easy for it to happen to people. It's a pretty common thing, especially as you get older. And I think some of the fans are probably younger and don't realize that. Yeah, some of them haven't seen it happen in some of their loved ones or themselves. Um, there are certain ways that I can relate to it. But, you know, that Luke Skywalker that we know and love didn't go away in this movie. He's just at a different spot in his life for a while. And while that happens to be darker, it's very consistent with what happened in the original trilogy with, or rather in terms of reflecting what happened with Obi-Wan Kenobi and Yoda. I mean, they both isolated themselves and took a little bit of a dark turn internally and lost some of their hope. Um, what he does as a Jedi Master is absolutely consistent with what his Masters did. You know, first time watching through this movie, I was able to pick up on the fact that, hey, this is exactly like when Luke goes to meet uh, Yoda in the swamp. Um, I don't think a lot of people picked up on that. I'm certainly not the only one. But if you didn't notice that in the first watch through, then I'm going to say it right now. You're not a real fan. If you claim to be a real fan and you didn't notice that watch on the first time through, I'm sorry, you haven't watched the original trilogy enough. But in terms of some other aspects of The Last Jedi, um, Kylo Ren, he, he's becoming a more interesting character. Um, a lot less of the angsty teenager. I mean, he's absolutely got the anger, but he's becoming a legit villain now. 
Carrie Fisher was absolutely incredible in this movie. I also loved uh, Vice Admiral Holdo. I don't remember the actress's name off the top of my head, but I would have loved to have seen her in more of these movies. I think there's a tiny chance that we still could, but I kind of doubt it based on what she did. I think the acting performances out of everybody are a level above what they did in The Force Awakens to the extent uh, you know, some of these characters were in The Force Awakens. Uh, we did have some new characters. I thought uh, BB-8 was great as always, as was his evil counterpart that tracked them. My biggest criticism of the movie is actually that they spent too much time on Finn's story, and it's it's a good story. The random adventures of Finn and Rose, and I, I'd like to see whether that develops into anything that's truly romantic in the future. Um, it's just that with a two and a half hour movie that made it almost three hours with the uh, opening previews, movie needed to be tightened just a little bit, and I just didn't think all of the scenes involving Finn were uh, absolutely necessary. Of course, the one that some people complain about being pointless was uh, the planet where all the rich citizens of the galaxy play, Cantobite. Um, it was a lot like a intergalactic Las Vegas. I loved a lot of the details that uh, um, were reminiscent of the early 20th century art. And, you know, story-wise, yeah, some of it was you know, kind of pointless. It was really just a location for them to discover the lock-picking guy. But, I mean, this is Star Wars. This is the equivalent of walking into uh, the cantina in A New Hope. Story-wise, it doesn't serve a lot of purpose, but it's all about the world-building. You've got to flesh out this incredible world that spans across multiple worlds. And every chance that you get to really make uh, the color pop, bring out those details of what the Star Wars galaxy is like, is a great thing. You can't just have everything be, this is the storyline, A to B to C to D. No, man, that's not how stories go, and if you think it is, then go read some nonfiction. Go read a freaking textbook. Anyway, I'll stop rambling now about The Last Jedi. I absolutely loved it. Don't understand the people who don't like it, but hey, you know, entertainment is... It's always something where everybody's going to have a different perspective. Hell, everything in life has a different perspective for different people, so... It's cool, it's cool. Was it my favorite movie of 2017? Probably. Uh, the biggest runner-up would probably be Blade Runner 2049. That was absolutely incredible, I thought. It absolutely, even with a different director, um, had the same feel as the original Blade Runner. Um, it really gets a little bit more into some of the depths of what artificial intelligence is like compared to real humans. Um, and I really appreciate that he delved into that a little bit more. Because that's something where Ridley Scott will just kind of skim the surface of those issues. Um, obviously, he still makes great movies, but I've always craved going deeper into what those differences are between artificial intelligence as a sentient being and human beings, and I appreciate that I delved into it. And there's a lot of room for delving even deeper into it, whether that's future Blade Runner movies 
or other robot-oriented movies. I'd love to see more of it. Of course, Alien Covenant was that Ridley Scott movie from 2017 that was really high on my list as well, and I wanted to see a little bit more out of the robots. Um, it's still one of my top movies. What else? Atomic Blonde. Again, I thought that Charlize Theron could be a female Bond if she wanted to be. Um, I really love that movie. I own it. Um, John Wick 2 wasn't quite as good as the first John Wick, but it's still one of my top movies for 2017. And obviously I'm not ranking my top movies, but there's about 11 of them here. We also had Justice League, which was really good in my book. I mean, it wasn't fantastic. I mean, obviously there was a lot that could have been improved, but the fact that they got Superman's character right was pretty great. I'd love to see more of what the DC Universe is going to be going forward. I really want to see a follow-up to the Man of Steel with Superman as he's portrayed in the Justice League. And, you know, Justice League was this one where Zack Snyder had filmed everything. They get to the completion of shooting, and he has that tragic uh, death in his family. He had to take a step back, and uh, Joss Whedon, uh, director of the Avengers, came in to... Um, not just finish the movie, but add his own touch to it as well. And I think that's obvious for anybody who's in the know about that watching the movie. Though There are clearly two people's visions meshed into the Justice League, and there were clearly a lot of flaws, but in terms of the spirit of DC Comics heroes, I think they're on the right track. Um, obviously, Wonder Woman was another fantastic uh, DC movie, and I can't wait for the sequel to that one. You know, I gotta say, ever since Jeff Johns came in to uh, really try to turn around this negative perception of the DC movies, things have been going pretty well, and let's just say they're optimistic going forward for the DC movie universe. That being said, obviously, Ben Affleck is not necessarily going to be the Batman going forward. That's certainly not ideal. He wasn't the greatest in the Justice League. He didn't have that big of a role that was written for him, it appeared. Or I don't know how. Maybe he got diminished when Joss Whedon came in. But certainly the cornerstone of a DC movie universe has got to have great Batman movies. And so whether it's Ben Affleck or somebody else uh, going forward with Batman movies and Justice League 2... They've got to get Batman right, or else it's not going to have a solid foundation. Even with a fantastic Wonder Woman franchise, I mean, she is one of the the, the main pillars, the, the trilogy. It's just that I see between her, Batman, and Superman, each one of those pillars has to be solid in order for the movie universe for DC to be on a solid foundation. Marvel had some great ones in 2017 as well. Still haven't seen Thor Ragnarok. Really need to. I absolutely loved Logan. Um, just in terms of being a father myself, it's tough to bring myself to watch it again. You know, I've still got it entrenched in my memory. It's a fantastic movie. I just don't know if I want to put myself through that wrenching emotional uh, trauma again. <laughs> And Guardians of the Galaxy 2, I thought was even better than the first one. That was so much incredible fun. And the soundtracks are just out of this world amazing. Uh, with the new Infinity War trailers, 
my favorite part is the very end of that trailer when Thor's like, who the hell are you guys when the Guardians show up? And I'm really glad to see that Mantis is going to be part of the story going forward. Now, I've got two more movies left of my top movies that I watched in 2017. One of them was a 2017 movie, and that's the Lego Batman movie. That was so much fun that we... In my household, we watch that one at least once a week, if not multiple times a week. Will Arnett is absolutely incredible as Batman. And every time we watch it, it seems like we find another funny thing that we missed out of the previous watchings. The other top movie that I watched in 2017 that was actually a 2016 movie, I believe, was Arrival. And that's become one of my top sci-fi movies of all time. That's the one where aliens land multiple ships across the Earth... Amy Adams is the scientist brought in, or rather not scientist, but translator brought in to try to speak to them from the American side. And of course the Chinese have their own translators and the Russians have their own. And the aliens have this puzzle that all of the nations uh, in which they've landed have to work together to put together the pieces of the puzzle to get the message for what's going to save the Earth going forward. And at the end, there's a bit of time travel that actually kind of blew my mind the first time I saw it. Where Amy Adams' character is simultaneously acting in both the, the future and the present uh, to, you know, be the hero of the movie. And if you haven't seen Arrival and you like sci-fi, that's definitely one you should see. In terms of my top video games of 2017, you know, I don't play everything, I don't have the time for it, but of the ones that I have and played, Breath of the Wild is certainly number one. Number two has got to be Super Mario Odyssey. In my book, that's the best Mario game so far that isn't a Mario Kart entry. I mean, in terms of the, the Super Mario adventures, you know, for nostalgia reasons, obviously we're all going to have our favorites going back through the years, but... In terms of the mechanics of the gameplay, the creativity, it was so addictive. I spent every waking hour that I could playing that game to uh, beat it as quickly as I could. And there's still more that I can do beyond the final uh, uh, boss level um, that I need to explore still. But both Super Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild alone are reasons to buy the Nintendo Switch. Um... The other console I've got is the PS4. Battlefront 2 is pretty good. I mean, really, it's just a natural successor to um, the earlier Battlefront game for uh, PS4. The one that I played just like a madman recently was Destiny 2. Uh, like Super Mario Odyssey, I spent every waking hour that I could uh, racing to the finish line of that one. And there's a little bit more stuff. You can buy the expansion pack with the Curse of Osiris, which is it's not a great expansion pack, but it's only 20 bucks, and it gives you more stuff to do. My biggest complaint with uh, Destiny 2, because it's a fantastic, absolutely addictive game, is that once you hit level 25, you're not really able to level up anymore. And they really should make some sort of system, even if it's extraordinarily difficult, to get up to like level 40 or something, to get to like a god mode where you can just destroy everything. Because if you put in the amount of time that some of us have put into Destiny 2, you've got to have goals to keep reaching or else it's, you're going to lose some of your interest. On the other hand... You know, it's absolutely a game worth buying because, 
Like I said, I spent every waking hour that I could trying to get to the finish line. Now it's a matter of trying to find the most rare gear I can find. And to round out my top video games of 2017, um, I think one of them actually came out in 2016, that's Horizon Zero Dawn. I picked that up, and it's phenomenal. If you like playing uh, Zelda-style games, this is the one to have for the PS4. And I love having the female protagonist. It's a huge world to explore. There's also robots, that uh, robot animals that you get to kill. And I still haven't finished that one. It's going to take a lot more time to play it, but... Every time I pick it up, I love playing that game. And the other one from 2017 that I just got in December that I've been having a lot of fun with is Call of Duty World War II. Um, I had one of the early Call of Duties that was a World War II version for, I think it was the PS2. I really enjoyed that one at the time, but the difference in graphics between the PS4 version now and what it was on the PS2 is just absolutely incredible. I have a lot more exploring to do in the uh, World War II uh, Call of Duty, but maybe I'll have more to say about it as I complete more of the game. Now, it's still the first week of January. Everybody does New Year's resolutions. Well, not everybody, but, you know, they're fun to toy around with. I've got something that I really want to be serious about this year. First is the podcasting at least once a month. I want to be consistent about it, and I want to get better at it. Uh, the second one is... I've had guitars for years. I've toyed with them on and off, you know, acoustic and classical guitars. You know, I took one class in college. I've toyed around with them, but I really need to dedicate myself to periodically playing it in the evening and uh, really getting some sort of even intermediate skill with the guitar because I love them. It's always something that I've really wanted to do, and I need to just buckle down and do it, you know? And of course, I've got some even more serious resolutions, uh, one of which is the fact that I am incredibly overweight. I've got type 2 diabetes, and for anyone who likes to joke about it, you know, sometimes I'll joke about it too. A lot of times it can get a laugh, so, you know, but sometimes people joke about heart disease. You know, if I eat that burger or that pizza, I'm going to have a heart attack. Or, you know, some people even joke very darkly about cancer, which is uh, one that I try to avoid more, but... You know, people do have a tendency to joke about both inappropriate things and things that scare us, uh, like some of these more serious diseases. And, you know, like I said, I, I certainly join in on in that humor. But it's also worth noting in terms of diabetes that for all the jokes that can be made about it, I mean, what we're dealing with in a serious matter here is, you know, you've got an entire major organ that isn't functioning properly. And that has very serious consequences for what happens to the rest of your body. Um, it's absolutely possible that if you take care of it correctly, there's the possibility of reversing it within the first few years. It doesn't happen for everybody. There's the possibility of keeping your blood glucose down enough that you can still live a long life. But it's also... Something that degrades your cardiovascular system, that degrades your nerves, that if you don't take care of it, you're you're going to die early. It's just going to happen. And so that's my big thing this year, is proactively taking control of not just keeping the blood sugars down like I've attempted to do, but really attacking, trying to reverse it all together, trying to get that weight off, and so... 
you know, I want to eat clean. I want to go to Tai Chi and Kung Fu, one class each per week. And I really want to hit the weights at the gym again. Whether I get into something like running or walking, I've got to f figure out some sort of cardio to work into there. I've got a really bad Achilles and ankle right now, so I don't know what I'm going to be able to do and how soon I'm going to be able to do it. But I'm going to come up with something, and hopefully I talk to more people who are dealing with the same sorts of issues this year and really uh, try to motivate them and get motivation from them so that... Uh, we can stay on track. And you know, that's not to take a dark turn, uh, ruin anybody's mood for the day. That's just a sober uh, taking a look at what's actually going on inside your body when you've got a major organ that isn't working right. I'm actually super hugely motivated to do something to uh, put it in my control to the extent possible. And I'm very optimistic. Just please don't cheer me on. I hate that when I'm working out and somebody tries to cheer me on because, you know what, that just breaks my concentration. Anyway, one last resolution going forward into the New Year is that I just spend way too much time online, whether it's Facebook or not so much Twitter. I'm not on that enough, probably, actually. But I spend way too much time reading articles online, every topic you can think of. And that really increases my knowledge of what's going on in the world, but I'd like to take a little bit of a step back from that and uh, try to dedicate more time to cultivating the you know, real relationships that I have with people offline. Instead of spending an hour reading articles, you know, go to the bar or a restaurant or the bookstore with somebody and just chill. Just one more thing in furtherance of cultivating our real-life relationships offline is I want to dedicate more concentration to when it's Christmas time or some other big holiday or somebody's birthday. Take a little bit of extra time to figure out what can make that holiday or that birthday magical for that other person because the way that some people's eyes can light up if you really take the time to pay attention to them is absolutely incredible. When people really feel noticed by somebody that they love, it can create the feeling of, you know, being like a child again. And that's a great feeling to create, and it's a great feeling to experience, so that's something that I want to work on in 2018. Anyway, that concludes my first episode of the new year of 2018, episode 9 of the Robot Dinner Party. Huge shout-out to the New Pod World Order Network. Huge shout-out to Dave Weimer of the Cult of Dave podcast for creating the Robot Dinner Party theme song. You know, even though I mentioned that I'm not on Twitter enough, you can find the Robot Dinner Party on Twitter, at Robot Dinner Pod. And if you've got uh, questions or comments for the show, I'll see it, I'll like it, and or respond to it. And if it's a question especially, I'll most likely get it onto the show, as long as it's appropriate. <laughs> Uh, if you want to email with a question, robotdinnerparty at gmail.com. And for other great podcasts on the New Pod World Order Network, just look up New Pod World Order on Twitter. For the Robot Dinner Party, concluding episode 9, this is your host Ben saying a good day and keep those circuits lubed. <laughs>